Hi, David. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we can meet in person because uh, uh, we're at AcadeCon 2022. Um, David is here with his family, which is cool, and we're going to talk about some of Dave's games. Undaunted Stalingrad uh, on my pre-order list. Uh, hopefully getting that in uh, two weeks or so. Yeah, hopefully. So yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> by end, end of November, beginning of December, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you've done Undaunted, for those that don't know, and Resist, uh, which, which will be hitting retail around January probably? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah for, for people that are interested in Resist, yeah. um, it was it was back Game Found, whatever you call that, you know, mm -hmm. on Game Found. And, uh, a limited print run in English language and is being picked up by 25th Century for another English language print run now. So, Which is awesome. Yeah. Because it looks great and I missed out on that. <laughs> um, I, I saw it like right after it ended and I was like, oh. But, um, and then you have some great games from DBG like uh, Pavlov's House and I love it by uh, uh, Stealth and Sea. Right. Uh, it's a great solo game and um, you even have train games too. So there's tons, tons, of, tons of stuff you've done over, over the year. Like, how did you? Because the train game was pretty early on. I forget the name. I'm sorry. Switching yeah. signal. Yeah, switching yeah. signal. How, how did you decide to go from that to doing more games? Yeah. So I think the pit. So you, as you as you know, um, when a game is released, doesn't really necessarily reflect what it was designed. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And so even though switching signal was published maybe in like 20. 20 or 2021 in English, something like that, yeah. maybe within the last year or two. Um, the design for it started in like 2013 or so. Right. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> at, at that point, um, when some of the games that are probably a little more different looking or feeling, mm -hmm. that's what I'm working on now, yeah. when that came out, I was still very much in like, hmm, what, what, what kind of stuff am I going to do? You know, I didn't necessarily know what my passion was going to wind up being or where uh -huh. I was going to be sort of like comfort area. And so I think when you look at some of the games, like especially like my earliest game that was published, Armageddon, yeah, which was a yeah. co-design, um, they're very different than yeah. the stuff I'm doing now, right? And that's not to say that I'll, I won't deviate in the future, mm -hmm. but I think I've sort of found an area where um, more of my designs fit, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so just, I think Switch and Signal just dates back when I was really first getting into the idea of board game design. And it just had a very different origin and everything else. I, I, at that point, I literally wanted to design a co-op train game for my parents. That was sort of the origin of that game, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Do they enjoy it then? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they play it. They, yeah. the, the, the sort of uh, reason for that is I introduced them to Ticket to Ride. And that's kind of the only hobby game they play. Uh -huh. uh, but they play it so much that the board, like, broke in half. The cards were gross from being handled so much. But my mom's not the most... She doesn't like to lose, yeah. And so I was like, "Well, maybe they need a co-op train game, right?" So, <laughs> so that that was the the origin of, yeah. of that idea. Huh. Okay. Do they have you introduced them to the uh, like the 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 lunch ones like New York and, and uh, what is yeah. it, Paris, San Francisco? Yeah, they like every. They, I think they have every version of Ticket to Ride. They oh, okay. Right so, so oh. the only thing they play is Ticket to Ride, but they play them all. Right? That's, yeah. I mean, that's cool. I really like the the Japan map. That, that's a nice map. And, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the, I mean, it, it's, it's still a fun game just to play with people without having to think too much, even if you play a lot of other games. Yeah, and, and, I, and I like the small format ones, like mm -hmm. the London and New York and stuff, because yep. you get that feel yeah. in 20 yeah. minutes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so, with your war games, um, 
do you research them or, or like, like are you out reading a bunch of books or are you watching movies and you're like, oh, this is a good idea for a movie? Like, you know, but how, how do you decide this is the next one I'm going to do? Yeah, it, there's not necessarily one specific sort of, you know, point where I say, hey, this is a good idea. It can come from a different place. Um, but, but once I make the decision, hey, this is a game I want to, to work on, on the, the more historical war game stuff. So not necessarily Undaunted, which is aimed at more of a broader audience yeah. or Resist, yeah. but some of the um, like the, the DVG, like solo war games, um, it's usually about a year of research before I even start on the design, mm -hmm. right? So I'll, like you said, read a bunch of books or whatever. Um, and so it's a much different approach because the idea there is what is the actual historical event that I'm trying to, what parts of it are I trying to recreate? Um, so, and I want to make sure that I capture those important elements. So yeah, usually about at least six months or like a year plus of research goes into those. Um, but, but as far as where they come from, sometimes I'll be reading about it, but you know, once you design a couple, people will start telling you, oh, you should do this, you should do this. And most of those ideas are like, yeah, whatever, but, but sometimes a really good idea will come by, you know, and, and actually, I think that's how, um, like, for example, Soldiers in Postman's Uniforms, yeah. which was yeah. a game in that same series at Pavlov's House. <clears throat> um, someone just commented on Board Game Geek and said, what do you think about this idea? I knew nothing about it, and as soon as I read it, I was like, yes, absolutely, this is a good idea. And I, eventually, I went on to meet that person who recommended it in, in Poland and you know, did oh, some yeah. research, and, and so you know, it gets pretty serious, right? Yeah, um, yeah I, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, are you a fan of Banner Brothers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I am not. Um, so I'm not also the kind of person who's like, oh, that I prefer the book over the movie, and you know, disparage media's and all that kind of stuff. Like, so I kind of view everything in its own, like as the person intended oh, yeah. it to be, right? But I think Band of Brothers is fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and there's, you know, the the most recent game in that that series, Landsworth Ridge, takes place on the first day of the Battle of the Bulge, mm -hmm. and there's some really good bulge type episodes from Band of yeah. the Brothers, right? So, I mean, not in the same exact area, but uh, it definitely gives you the feel. Okay, so <laughs> right here, so I, I, I worked for Catastrophe Games, and, and Tim and, and Mike, uh, they, they got, you, you probably know what I'm gonna say, man. No, 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 you don't. Well, I know Tim. I mean, I oh, okay, so uh, Mike, uh, um, oh, good. what's Mike's last name? Anyways, he did Lappy, and he, he likes to do some mm -hmm. games and stuff, but, um, uh, they went off, we, we were on our company Discord, and they go off for like half an hour talking about Lanzer's Ridge, of like, you can't really carry a oh, 50 by, yeah. by yourself, you yeah. can't carry this. Tim and I had that conversation, I think we had it over Twitter maybe or something, and it's like, yeah. well, well, Tim, all I know is a guy that kind of, you know, said he carried the 50 cal, said he carried the 50 cal. But really, what's, what's interesting about that, and this, this goes yeah. back to your question about research. Yeah. The problem I had with that whole, and so if you're, you know, people are, are, are watching, what, what we're talking about is in the game of Lanzarth Ridge, yeah. um, you, your, the defenders have the ability to move some machine guns around. Yeah. So there's there's guys carrying VARs, which are, yeah. that's designed to be carried around. Yeah. You have a 30 cal, which is clearly not something that a guy is just going to be wandering around with, but it is movable, right? It's, right. it's transportable. And then you have this Jeep mounted 50 cal. Right. So the problem is, that multiple historical accounts reference repeatedly them repositioning the 50 cal. Mm -hmm. And so you have this issue where it's like, well, even if it didn't happen, you know, there's a historic record that we have to be able to account for somewhat. 
Yeah, right. So yeah. yeah, it is. It is interesting though that yeah, I, I had that chat with Tim, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. Basically, it, 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 it was just funny because they we were talking. We were supposed to be talking about board game design, and, and then they just go off on their tangent because they're both former Marines. Yeah. And and and, and Mike finally was like, well, it sounds like something my sergeant would have made me do, whether I wanted to do it or not. Like, like he's like, yeah, it's possible. I don't want to do it though. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> that, 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 that's why I laugh because because they, they just took that and a whole tangent uh, of their experience. But I think that's the great thing about board games is, is that it can bring you into a, a world and uh, make you start thinking about things. What board games have brought you to a different place maybe that, that you didn't think about before? Or, or I mean, you kind of mentioned like the, the fact that you got to go to Poland and do things like that and met people. Yeah. But, uh, what what other Maybe someone else's design or anything like that that surprised you? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, for sure, on my own work, you know, when I was working on Undaunted uh, Normandy, I went to every location that's yeah. in Undaunted, in Normandy, right? That was a battle featured in the game. So travel for that, and like we talked about, I went to Gdansk in Poland for yeah. you know what was uh, Danzig. So um, I've traveled for my own stuff, but as far as other people's games, I mean. I mention this a lot when people ask me about inspirations. I think a lot, I owe a lot to uh, A Few Acres of Snow by Martin Wallace yeah. because um, for sure one thing that I've used is deck building, pool building type stuff. And that, that game was one of the very first games I played. So I came to board gaming pretty late. Um, I, I grew up playing RPGs. And so that was one of the first board games I played, which and it was probably the second deck builder. Right, I think the first ever yeah. deck builder I played was Arctic Scavengers, right? So, oh, like most people, <laughs> yeah, most okay, people yeah, grew up yeah. on Dominion, right, or yeah, Ascension, yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. And yeah. not me, I was Arctic Scavengers yeah. and a few acres of snow. And so, I saw really early on, like, oh, there's ways to do things like um, modeling, command and control, and fog of war, that yeah. kind of stuff's applied through something like deck building, where if a person's really into that, right, if a, like if a person's playing Undaunted and they are really into platoon, World War II kind of stuff, they can see, oh, I understand what's happening, what's being modeled behind the scenes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or they can know nothing about that and just play the game. And both are totally legit, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that, I think Few Acres of Snow really helped me see that, right? The opportunities, the possibility. Yeah, that's cool. Um, how So how far do you personally go? I, I know you have a decent collection of war games yourself. Um, but like, do you do ASL and get into all that type of thing too, or no, not really. Okay. I I um I like historical games, yeah. and and I say historical like so not necessarily war games, right? But like historical war games or historical games. Um, but I also don't really like playing games. Two hours is kind of my limit, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that's okay. kind of my breaking yeah. point. And so yeah. um, now I do occasionally buy stuff that's a little crunchier or meatier. But oftentimes, not even to play. To like get it, read through the rules, lay it out, kind of push pieces around myself, just yeah. to explore the idea of the game without ever even planning to play it. Um, but I don't really get into the super crunchy end. Like ASL would be, I think it's really cool. And so, yeah. um, like, I don't know if you know Gary, he goes by Arwolf. Um, yeah, yeah. He's got, so, yeah. so he's up in Columbus, right? And mm -hmm. so when I go to get Buckeye Game Fest, they're in their room and they're playing, he's going to be. OCS, I think, one of the like very big monster yeah, type yeah, yeah, games. Yeah. I think it's super cool. I I would watch them. I would yeah. spend like eight hours watching them play. Yeah. 
but um, it's not for me. The actual yeah. playing is not for me. Yeah. And so I, I prefer much tighter, tenser, shorter games. So like 13 Days or Watergate, something like that is yeah. more my... I love Watergate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just... And then you're done, and you're like, oh, yeah. oh what? What? <laughs> this is going to change all exactly. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I saw you just got. Uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Ginomorpod. Right. You ready? Yeah. yeah. Have you played right. it yet? Yeah. I have not played it. So okay. it's sitting okay. on my table. So I have two games sitting on my table right now. Mm-hmm. One is Final Girl. Yeah. And I won't say the name wrong. So the one you, the game you're talking about, <laughs> the Monsters of 2050 or whatever it is from Hollandspiel. Right? Yeah, and so, Ryan Holland. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I love his games. Wide Angle yeah. Defiant is one of my yeah. favorite games. It's a good game. And so, um, and he's an awesome dude. So basically, if he's if he's designing it, I'm likely to buy it. And if it's coming from Hollandspiel, I'm likely to buy it. So yeah. the two of them together is like an automatic purchase. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited. And of course, I'm not a huge sci-fi guy, but like retro sci-fi or whatever you would call yeah, that yeah, look, yeah. It, that's that's pretty cool. So yeah, well, I, I'm gonna go back to our scavenger for mm-hmm. a moment. Uh, did, what type of strategy did you take? Were, were you a, a nice player? Did you play by yourself or did you play? No, no, I played with other okay. people. Were you a nice player or did you turn into a cannibal? I'm I <laughs> in all games like okay so. It, Interesting, a game that's similar to it in some regards is like Dune Imperium, right? Because you get yeah. a fight and stuff, right? Yeah. So in that regard, it's kind of similar. I am the kind of player who would rather, this is so funny, kind of be left alone. Like I want to build my own yeah. little strategy yeah. Yeah. and not really engage unless it's it's very un, like seldom, very high return on investment play, right? Yeah. And so like in Dune Imperium, I'll only go to a fight if it's a fight I can get multiple victory points out of one yeah. time. Right, I don't like fighting, and so in Arctic Scavengers, I usually was not really in the fight much. You know, kind of hold back that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah, because uh, I don't remember. I haven't played in three years, but like, and it was either in the base game or, or the expansion that like you get very aggressive and be like cannibalistic. Yeah, it was yeah, one yeah, of the it was yeah. one of the expansion yeah, yeah. factions or whatever. Yes, yeah, I, yeah, I had the yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah. I never really played the, yeah. the the expansion that much. Okay, but I don't, so I don't remember. But yeah, there was absolutely a cannibal. It was all about eating people. Yeah. I can't remember exactly yeah. how it worked. And it, it, was, it was a clear path to victory, <laughs> but, but like, it, it, was, it was very aggressive. Yeah. Um, so what, what other, uh, I mean, you've already mentioned a, a couple designers that, that you appreciate. Who, who else has, has influenced you or maybe influenced you early on that doesn't influence you as much now? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So for sure, you know, I mentioned uh, Martin Wallace with A Few Years of Snow. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Martin Wallace is a brilliant designer. Um, I will say that I think some of his stuff is probably not as developed as it could be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, sure. And I think that may have been, well, it could be for all sorts of reasons, right? I think some of that was when he was at Tree, he was his, had his own, he was his own publisher and was at right. Tree Frog and maybe, you know, missing out some of the development he would have gotten through with other publishers. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, regardless of that, though, I think he's a very uh, super talented designer. Um, I love Palomori. So Ethnos, Blitzkrieg, yeah. all of his yeah. stuff is fantastic. And it, I think he does a brilliant job yeah. of like just elegance in design. Mm-hmm. And then John Butterfield, who's a, a yeah. very much known in the solitaire war game yeah. community, yeah. fantastic designer. So I think that um, for sure, John Butterfield and Palomari right now would probably be my favorite too, which is very different. Like we're yeah, very like different. I was expecting you to yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah, they're very different. But you know, that's kind of how I like, I kind of live in these two overlapping Venn diagram worlds yeah. of, of like 
broader stuff and war games kind of bringing together sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that's kind of fusing some of those two sensibilities together, I'm not sure. But. Yeah, I, I mean, we didn't mention War Chest earlier, but like that, that is an uh, extremely accessible game because it's, it's intuitive to anybody who's played like Chess. Right. And, uh, but it has... I always like a game that has another level of strategy. I don't mean that in, in, I guess what I mean is, I like when a game can be learned easily by, by someone, but then you can play against someone else who has played lots of other games and they see depths of things that they might be able to do as the game progresses. And I, I like that about War Chest. And I, yeah, so anyway. Yeah, War Chest of all the games that I've worked on, and so one thing we should talk about is a lot of the stuff that I've worked on are co-designs, right? right. So like War Chest yeah, and yeah. Yeah. with, with yeah. Trevor Benjamin. Yeah. And so of all the stuff I've designed, the thing that's probably I'm most proud of and I think is the, the coolest thing about War Chest is there is a lot of like, you could either call it depth or you could call it emergent strategy in War yeah, Chest, sure. right? Yeah. Um, and I think it definitely lends itself well to that. Right, yeah. and so what's funny about, and this is what's, this is how you know that's true. Um, War Chest is on um, Yukata, and it's on Board Game Arena now, and it's there's a, a website dedicated to it called War Chest Online. So oh, people okay. that are interested, they can play in all those different places. Um, if I was to go on those and play them, I'm probably middling. I mean, probably half the people who are on there that play seriously could beat me. Yeah. Right, and I mean, a lot of that comes from emergent strategy that. Even as we were designing it, like we designed for the intent of allowing for those things, but you can't see every possibility of everything that could yeah. ever come, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's 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 awesome. Um, we, yeah. When will this air? Like um, soon. I, 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 I soonish. Yeah. Oh, soonish. I think I can say this. I won't get in too much trouble. Okay. We're I, just I acknowledge now, a little bit. Yeah, 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 that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. We're just now starting to work on another expansion for it. Oh, cool. Which is super yeah. awesome. Now, what it does mean, though, is there's already two expansions, which means there's already 24 yeah. units. Yeah. And so the, the, the realm of possibility <laughs> just continues to exponentially explode when you add the units, right? Right. With, with all the different interactions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's already a lot if you, if you have the uh, um, both. So um, what is your favorite part about working with a co-designer, and what's the hardest part about working with a co-designer? So everyone's different, right? Every yeah. single co-designer yeah. is a different relationship, uh, and it really is a relationship. Um, the best part for me, right? Everybody's going to take away different things. The best part for me is it helps hold myself accountable, right? So if okay. you're in that sort of relationship, you say, well, I have to get up and I have to, to work on this because I have a due date of whatever yeah, to get yeah, this done. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good thing. Obviously, there's a lot of other benefits, like just having that collaborative brainstorming you know, partnership, that, that kind of stuff. If you're partnering with people effectively, you're probably building off of each other's strengths, right? Taking advantage yeah, yeah. of each other's strengths. There's a lot of benefit. Um, the, the biggest challenge would be you kind of have to learn what you do. You have to learn all of that stuff when you're engaging in a new relationship. And so the biggest, uh, some obvious examples are Trevor and I have now been working together like we probably get together three times a week for three or four hours a day each time. Okay. You know, for, and we've been doing that for like six years. Yeah. So we know each other, right? Yeah, we have yeah. a very, we can, and if we think something's stupid, we can tell the other one, this is idiotic and it's fine, right? Yeah, it's yeah, full, yeah. full like trust. Um, but like, for example, I worked on a game recently with Jeff Engelstein 
Yeah. We we knew of each other. So and we had a couple. Uh, Adam might be saying wrong. What's that? Zhang Yeah. Zhang Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he reached out to me and said, "Hey, do you want to collaborate on this one?" Of course, I said yes. Um, and we knew of each other, and we had met, I think, in person once before, or maybe twice before. But um, we we certainly didn't know each other, right? And so it was a, it was a very awesome experience for me. But the partnership's just different, right? Like yeah. You have to, yeah. hey, what are you good at? What am I good at? What are you going to do, right? Yeah. And and you, this is a hobby. It's not a job. So we don't sit down and say, here are your tasks, here are my tasks, right? It's yeah. more informal and sort of organic. Um, but you have to learn each other. Yeah, so yeah. every relation, and I've worked with a lot of different people, so every relationship's different. Yeah, um, I, I mean that's the thing is I, I think hobbyists may be looking from the outside and say, "Oh, you you uh, you have several successful games, pretty, pretty successful games. Uh, why is it still a hobby for you at mm-hmm. this point?" Like like because um, I, I, I can probably only a uh, few people. I can think of that actually work full time as designers. It's it's a lot harder. Um, how do you find time to fit it in uh, all your design stuff? Because you work you work uh, research for the Air Force, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I mean, that seems like that would be a demanding job sometimes. Yeah. So for better or worse, I basically wake up every day and work on it. Um, pretty much get up, wake up around four or four thirty. And until about 6.30, maybe 7, that's what I work on. Yeah. Um, and it's at least six, probably seven days a week, right? Unless something unusual happens. And then, like I said, that's not counting the times they get together with Trevor usually to work on stuff, to do testing. So I'm, I spend, I would say, about 20 hours a week on an average week that's, working on it, right? So it's basically it. a second. I mean, it's like yeah, a part-time yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I treat it in some sort of middling state between very serious hobby and a part-time job. Yeah. So I treat it like it's a thing. Now, one thing I did do, and this is very important, is I decided I was not going to spend the afternoon and weekends working on it mm-hmm. outside the morning because I wasn't fair to my family, yeah. right? Yeah. So I can do whatever I want as long as it doesn't affect that, right? Um, and I mean, of course, you know, I'll occasionally go to a convention or spend some afternoons testing or whatever, but in general, I don't do that. So it's, it's trying to find that, that line between this isn't a job and it shouldn't take away from my family. Right? Yeah. We don't need me to do this to survive. Right. Um, but I also want to hold myself accountable and take it seriously. Yeah. So it is, it is kind of a fine balance between those two things. It, as far as, you know, why am I not full-time? If I was a single guy, I would probably do it full-time, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, not, it's very difficult for a lot of reasons to make it a full-time job. Um, one, I mean, it's not, you can't rely on the income. Right, right, right. No, yeah, you don't sell games, right? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, the the even though the board game hobby has been growing and growing and growing, it's still very um, like a informal kind of I don't know, like just immature, right? Yeah, Industry yeah, still, yeah. and so um, oftentimes, usually, probably, I have to wind up chasing down. Royalty payments and stuff, not because people oh, no. don't want to pay oh, you, no. but yeah. because it's just yeah. you know you've got one person doing five thousand jobs, right? Yes. And so, yeah. so if if I had and I joke around with my my fellow design partners all about this all the time, like if I had to do it as a full time job, I would drive my it would be so stressful because you have to care about that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that, that, that's uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you know I, I've heard that several times. Um, 
you know, sometimes some companies, they're not malicious. No. It just yeah. takes more time for them to get royalty checks out. So let's talk about this then. What are your kids' favorite games mm. of yours to play? Oh, of, of, of <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, and then we'll just talk about what, what you like to play with them. Sure, yeah, sure, play. sure. So the games that I've designed that my kids like to play. So my son is easy. He's War Chest all the way. Yeah. He and I play War Chest, I mean, at least a couple times a week. Mm -hmm. That's minimum, right? Yeah. Constant. Uh, so we play a lot of War Chest. He, we've been playing, he's been playing War Chest with me since at least he was six. Mm -hmm. He knows his War Chest. Um, so can he beat you regularly? Oh, well, so, okay, so what I do is I don't, I don't ever let my kids win, but I will put them in positions that they're like kind of an advantaged position so I can try my best. Yeah. So I'll let him pick his units and pick my units. Mm -hmm. and so he knows what yeah. combos well and he knows what doesn't, so he'll give me suboptimal combinations. Right. Right? Yeah. So, um, but I'll never let him win. So, because when he wins, he knows he beat me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, my daughter, her favorite, my eleven-year-old daughter. I have a game called Dire Alliance. It's not out yet. Okay. It was. Uh, it's with Blacklist Games, and it's going through some um, fulfillment issues. Sure. Um, it's crazy. So it's crazy. It's, it's really bad. But so so what happened was they actually sent me an a. It's a final version. It's a production copy. Yeah. Right. But it's it, before it got fulfilled. And we've had it now for quite a while, and she loves it. Loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. As a matter of fact, I'm having the miniatures for it painted right now, and so we haven't had it for about a month, and she's like, Daddy, when are we getting dire lives? What does she like about it? Um, I think she likes the theme. So it plays, okay. it's, it's very much, so at the time, um, Adam and Brady Sadler, I don't know if you know them, they've done a lot of stuff. They used to work with Fantasy Flight, then they went to Black. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So they were big fans of Undaunted, and so they said, hey, we want you to come do a game that's you know, inspired by some of the same DNA as Undaunted and War Chest. So it shares some of that same gameplay style, yeah. um, but it's more of a miniature skirmish kind of battle game. Right. And so it is horror-themed, and so she likes the characters. Right, one of them is a countess, like a vampire countess, yeah. who yeah. she just loves. So she likes the game. I think she likes the game fine, but she loves the theme of it. Right. So. Did she enjoy Halloween? Oh yes. Oh okay. yeah. yeah. But all, well, especially my two daughters love Halloween, yeah. scary stuff. Okay. And they always want to watch scary movies, which I don't care about. But you know, that's their thing. So yeah. whatever they yeah. want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then my thirteen-year-old daughter should play War Chest. She's by far the the um, sort of least gamery of the kids, right? Uh -huh. Her her real thing is she likes social deduction. Oh, okay. kind of game so she likes coups she likes resistance yeah, yeah. Um, she'll she'll play war chess but that's yeah. that's really a, a dad's game that's kind of the only one she engages in yeah 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 so do, do you do family game nights or, or we so my wife doesn't really <laughs> play with us but she'll play with yeah, game, yeah. right really the most that she'll do is um she and i will occasionally play two-player stuff yeah. very unusual like we'll, if we're on vacation or something we'll play yeah. or something like that Usually it's me and the younger two kids, yeah. the, the eight, my eight-year-old son and my 11-year-old daughter. They'll play anything and everything, like yeah. anything. So like war games, uh, whatever. One thing that we do a lot, I mean, we, we, we play my games a lot, but um, we play a lot of solo games, but we'll play them cooperatively. So like recently we played um, Under Falling Skies, we played Warp's Edge, yeah, yeah, we've got yeah. Final Girl now. So we'll yeah. just get there and the three of us will play it, or one of the two of them will play with it. Yeah, yeah. So we do a lot of that. Cool. Yeah. Well, here, here's my uh, 
big last question for you, and, and then if you have anything else you want to add, but um, if you could grab an historical figure, alive or dead, and design a game with them, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. I've never thought about this, so let me, give, let me take a second. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna hold your feet to the fire on it. Whoever you say it is, that's it. And when, when resurrection technology comes along, you have to do it. Oh man. <laughs> oh, who would that be? It would have to be because you know most of my stuff is is World War II, right? Like that's the main time period yeah. that I work in. I mean, I'll probably it's a little bit of a cop out because it's something I'm working on right now, so it would just be easy. But probably one of the pilots, the, like the Night Witches pilot. So I'm working oh, yeah, on a yeah. game with Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire now yeah. about the Night Witches. Yeah. Um, so Soviet bomb, night bomber pilots. Yeah. And so it would just be easy, right? Because, hey, tell me about how, how I felt to be there, you know, bombing Germans in the middle of the night with your little bike. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that would be kind of crazy, right? Like, uh, do, do you think they, do you think they had... PTSD from, from, from Well, they didn't know it was, but absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. they, I mean, they fought continuously every single day yeah. for whatever, you know, three plus years. Yeah. And um, they were living off of, like, a couple of hours of sleep at night. I mean, it got so yeah. bad that, like, they would fall asleep in the plane, right, flying to or flying back from their right, missions. Right, um, And they were certainly being given uh, stimulants. To stay oh, okay. Awake. Okay. So after you know, after years of never having a night off, yeah, flying bombing missions, flying them sometimes you know fourteen hours straight, not being able to sleep. I think yeah, they came back probably pretty. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So what would you ask them besides operational types of stuff? Like, like would you ask them any personal questions? Or? I think. Um, well, you know, it's it's difficult, right? Because there's so much. There's a lot to unpack there, you know. Right. Yeah. They were after after the war. Um, they weren't women weren't formally were unallowed to, to serve, but it was very difficult. So yeah. yeah, I mean, you had the same thing. You know, you had the same thing with American like resegregation and all of this stuff. So you yeah. had these people who who contributed to the success of this war, and they were basically just told, eh, "Thanks, but we don't need you anymore." Right. Yeah, we used you. We used you. We got what we needed. Yeah. And, yeah. and so. Um, you know, there's a lot to unpack there from a personal perspective. I guess probably you would just want, you know, how do you feel about what you're able to accomplish, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. it's pretty remarkable yeah. um, considering all the, the situations they were operating in. But yeah, it's, it was a very, yeah, it's just kind of unbelievable, right? Yeah. That, yeah, you know, yeah. what, you were, what they were asked to do, yeah. the environment yeah. in which they did it. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for your time. Anything else you want to share about it? I mean, you're, I, I can't keep track of everything you know, coming up. But no, no, it, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, this is awesome. Yes. And, and, yeah, this and, is uh, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so any other games you want to share I, about or, or talk about? Or? <laughs> no, I mean, the, we already mentioned yeah. the big, the next one on the, on the horizon is Undaunted Stalingrad, which is, you know, I, I'm writing a, a design diary for it right now, which yeah. allowed me to go back into the past and kind of relive like some of the evolution. And it's sort of mind-boggling. So it's it's November 2022. I went back and saw that the first time we talked about it was February 2018. So it'll have been like about five years in the making. Um, and so, and it is still, even still, like by far the most um, 
mentally taxing, right? Just because yeah. of the complexity of the yeah. of the legacy scenario, sort of branching yeah. and stuff. And so to see it come to to, uh, to fruition is pretty satisfying. So I'm very excited about that. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome.